Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. We're continuing our series called What Did He Say? And we've got another wonderful, um, impossible thing that Jesus asks us to do. Um, have, has anybody asked you to do something impossible? Anybody, anybody like, go change that light bulb without any ladders? Like, anybody, anybody ask you to, to do something impossible? Well, I, I, when I was thinking of this, this passage, I thought of the Star Trek movie that came out about 10 years ago. And in the beginning of the movie, we meet Kirk, or uh, James Tiberius Kirk, and he's a kid, and he's like stolen a car, and he's listening to the BC Boys. So that's where we meet this guy. And so he's not Captain Kirk of the original series yet. He's, he's just James T. Kirk. And one of the interesting things is we get to this moment when he's at the Starfleet Academy, and he's got to take this test designed by Spock. And in this test, it's basically set up to show a captain what it looks like to lose. Like you can't win in this test. That... Spock is literally trying to teach people how to lose. Well, uh, Kirk doesn't, you know, listen to the rules, and he literally does the impossible. He cheats the game and wins. He saves his crew in the simulator, and, and he cheats the system. But we have so much of, so many of us look at a situation like that where it's like a no-win scenario, and we're like, it is no win. We can't do this. We don't find a way around it. Or we don't look to a place where there is a way around it. Or we don't look to who there is a way around it. Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 17 says this sentence. And we'll go through the whole story of it. But I want to give you this sentence to, to think about. I tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, which is tiny, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. So Jesus says, hey, if you had faith at all, you could pick up a mountain and, and move it, which is, without God, impossible. Today we're going to talk about faith. And to give you a little context into the story that we're talking about, basically the beginning of the chapter of chapter 17 is the transfiguration, which, which basically is this supernatural moment where God reveals Jesus as his son and Moses and Elijah show up. It's like one of those moments where you're like, if this happened to me, there's no way there's any coming down from this. Like, I've got this. It's, I get your God and everything. Well, after that moment, they come down a hill and we pick up this story. And it says in verse 14, at the foot of the mountain, a large, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. His father simply wants his son to be healed. And it's, and it's interesting, and this isn't the first time the disciples have been, like, sent out to heal people. In chapter 10 of Matthew, just seven chapters earlier, 
God sends out literally all the disciples, the 12 disciples, and says, hey, you have the authority to cast out evil spirits, and you have the authority to heal any disease or illness. And so Jesus has already given them authority to do this exact thing, to heal the boy. So we're looking at a context of they couldn't do something that they have authority to do. In verse 17, Jesus says, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Your disciples couldn't heal my, my, my son. You wicked and corrupt people. Like, it seems like he's answering with something different. It's like he's, he's saying to us something else, and we're like, hey, we just want the boy to be healed. That's all I asked for. I wasn't asking for society to be healed. I was just asking for my son. But instead, Jesus calls out an entire people. And maybe part of it is that Jesus is calling them out because they aren't getting that he's the Messiah. That all these people that are, that are great and all these people that have studied the religious law have misinterpreted it and missed the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe that's what he's calling out. But then he, he says this in verse 18. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Jesus like calls people out, and then he's like, all right, your son's healed. Case closed. But instead, Jesus goes on. He goes on and says this. Afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon? You didn't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And when Jesus says this, the disciples, the disciples have little faith. A lot of scholars believe he is saying poor faith or low-quality faith, ineffective faith. And so when, I think the easiest way to describe what's happening here is with pictures. Have, have any of you um, ever taken a picture and you're like, it looked great on my computer screen, and then you blew it up and it looks super pixelated? Anybody else done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron has. John nodded, so... If you ever want to experience that, both of them, they got it. Um, but basically what's happening is that there's so few pixels in a small image that when you blow it up, it doesn't have enough pixels to cover the space, right? Now, if you have a high-resolution image that has tons of pixels and you blow it up, it's fine, right? Because it has sufficient... Amanda's like nodding because this is her career. So she's like, yes, yes. Um, but if you blow it up, you're going to see a crystal clear image. It has nothing to do with the size. They both could be two feet tall. But if one doesn't have the pixels necessary to cover that ground, it's going to be pixelated. It's going to look blurry. It's going to look like little squares. And that's what it's like with faith. It doesn't necessarily matter how big our faith is, like height-wise, but as long as we have our faith in the right thing, 
So what Jesus is telling us here is that faith isn't a quantity over quality substance. It's a quality over quantity. So what that means is if we can trust the right person, and that is God, then faith is defined by our trust in him, not by the amount of like awesomeness we have or academic knowledge. It's all about the quality over the quantity. So that's what faith looks like. God isn't asking us for an absurd amount of faith. He's asking us to trust the one who is trustworthy. Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And this is interesting because we, most of the time we, we look at verse 13 and we neglect the context of what Paul has said. In verse 11, not, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So many times we look at, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength, and we forget that 11 and 12, verse 11 and 12, are giving us the context of what Paul's actually saying here. He's telling us that when God gives us strength, when we have trusted him, and he enables us to go through the good times and the bad times, and that's kind of what faith looks like. If we're trusting him, that faith in him is what causes us to persevere. Now, when, when he says the mountains are going to be moved, and in other areas of the Bible it says mountain moved into the sea. In Jewish literature, the idea of moving mountains was a, like a proverbial phrase for doing the impossible. It was this idea that when I said, well, we can do that when we move mountains into the sea. It's like, it's the impossible. It's, it's, it's a synonym for saying, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could do the impossible. And we see it multiple times in Isaiah. And just four chapters earlier in, in Matthew, they use this exact phrase. Faith is a funny thing because when we read this scripture, we seem to like monetize it, which is like if I hoard enough faith, then I'll be able to do like whatever I want. I can do, do random things. But Jesus tends to correct this line of thinking because if we have just the smallest faith, but it's healthy faith, and it's quality faith, that's when the impossible can happen. So faith has much less to do with us and a lot more to do with God. If we just would trust him, we would have faith. Faith comes with our trust in God and not in the circumstances around us. Faith comes from trusting the character of God. And we trust God will do what he said. And I think 
anytime we talk about faith and we talk about like trusting in God, it's so important to know what God is trying to do in us because God doesn't call us to him to just like stay by ourselves and only get the good parts of God and none of the, the transforming, none of the changing, none of the moving closer to him. So in Romans 12, 2, Paul says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think that's what faith is. It's trusting in God so that he changes the way we look at the world. He changes how we see things. And when he changes how we see things, he is actually correcting how we see things. We're seeing it through God's eyes and not through our own. We have to let God change the way we think. We try potentially, like the disciples in this instance, to do things on our own power. And it doesn't seem to work. And it's quite possible that this idea of like moving mountains is actually both a metaphorical phrase and a literal phrase. In the early centuries of the, well, not the early centuries because everything's defined by Jesus, so it'd be like zero. But um, in, in the time of Rome, before and during the time of Jesus, Rome would quarry rock, marble, from a, a place called Carrera which is about 200 miles north of Rome. And this is really interesting because it's during the reign, uh, initially during the reign of Julius Caesar, who would be before Jesus, and then it, uh, historians have said it reached its height in the era of Augustus Caesar, which, as many of you know, is like that little footnote in the story of Jesus. It's like during the reign of Augustus Caesar. And so it reached its height during this time. So it's very possible that Jesus would have known about these actions. And what they would do is they would take marble from a mountain. And so they would literally move pieces of a mountain 200 miles to Rome to build Rome. They would literally take a mountain, not, maybe not the whole thing, but at least part of it, and move it to Rome. And I think this has such an interesting connotation in the idea of Jesus saying, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could move mountains. Because sometimes God doesn't ask us to say, I've got faith in you, God, and you can do it. Sometimes God is saying to us, you have faith in me to do what I've called you to do. That sometimes God is literally asking us to move the mountain. Because if we trust in him, he gives us the ability. The Romans literally moved pieces of a mountain 200 miles. And so maybe God is saying to us, hey, you can do it too. I think it's interesting if we look at the Bible and we go, David trusted God that he'd be enabled to kill Goliath, and he did it. How different would the story have been if David went into battle and didn't fight? How different would it have been if Noah didn't build the ship? 
How different would it have been if Abraham never left the land of his father? How different would it have been if Moses never left the burning bush? Because sometimes in our faith, we, we want God, we want to pray to God and we want God to solve it. And I think a lot of times God is saying, I've enabled you to solve it. I've done, I've done my part. And if we'll have faith to do our part. That's why the idea of faith has to be paired with actions. Like the, the, the book of James says it this way. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. If we trust God and then we put in the hard work, giants can be killed. The world can be saved. A nation can be saved. A people can be rescued from slavery. And that's because each of those characters put in the hard work required. Where is it in my life that I lack? My faith is lacking action. Where is it in my life that God has enabled me to do something and I'm just missing it? I think it's so important when I, when I look at the idea of faith and actions, where have I said something that is so important to do and then I'm not doing it? Because that's what God's calling out in me and it's what he's calling out in each and every one of us. I think sometimes we use the, the phrase, if it's God's will, as a scapegoat, you know? We feel like God's calling us to live our lives to do something, but it doesn't magically, magically happen, so we give up. And then we blame God for the result. Jesus calls us, has called us into existence. God has called us into existence. And he placed us here, and he sacrificed himself for us. But if we don't put in the work, it can't be their fault. It can't be God's fault. Where is it in our lives that we need to put in the work? If we believe that God makes us new, and that he's willing to transform us, and transform our minds, how can we choose to to do that exact thing? How can we be a partner in God's transforming, in God's changing of our minds, in changing of our ways? This idea of faith that moves mountains is both quality over quantity. It's about the hard work of moving mountains. This doesn't negate that God does miraculous things. I've seen it in my own life, and we've seen it in this very church, that God does do miraculous things. 
But if we want to live like Jesus, we have to put in the work to actually become like him. And I love this idea, and I'm going to misquote this, Hannah, so I'm sorry. Um, Hannah has this phrase she loves, and it's work, pray like it depends on God, and work like it depends on you. Because we put in our faith in that God is going to come through for us. And then we work like we know he will. That is a recipe for success. It's a recipe for doing what God has called us to. I love that idea. I love that, that thought that if we partner with God, because I think it's so interesting when we look at the Bible, we look at the whole thing, and God doesn't come in and go, all right, I'm going to fix everything, and you guys are all good, and we've got no problems in the world. He comes in and he goes, hey, I've sent you to be here and to help save the world. I've sent Jesus as a venue. I've sent, I've sent my son to you to be the venue that you can work through. But God doesn't come in and fix every little problem. His plan A has always been us. That's like when we talked about on Easter. Jesus comes, shows us how to live a resurrected life, and then leaves us to it. And so if you feel like you're lacking faith in your life, pray, pray, pray that God will enable you to do what he's called you to do. Because so many times we have to pray like God depends on us and work like it depends on us. Let's pray.